three. That's currently where we are. And um, I hope and I pray that we have learned something and that we are putting them into practice. Isn't it? Now, um, chapter three from verse one, I think this is the, <coughs> the third someone of chapter three, if I'm not wrong. The third someone. Um, and on the first someone in chapter three, we, we looked at uh, from verse one to verse eight. And we saw uh, Paul beginning by noting that we have been, since we have uh, been set free in Christ, we need to seek the things which are above, where Christ is, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Then we also saw that we need to set our minds on the things which are above. So this is possible because we have been raised with Christ and that our lives are hidden with him and that when he will appear in glory we shall also appear with him. As uh, I was going through this summary then this song um, came to me um, a higher Lord lift me on a higher ground. Is it upward? How does it start? I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. Yeah. I'm pressing on. Uh, to attain that higher mark that Christ has set. So, even as we live our lives in Christianity, are we setting our things on our minds on the things which are above, where Christ is? Are we seeking the things that are above, or are we majorly occupied with the worldly pleasures and the worldly treasures here? Ah. We need to seek the things which are above. And not only that, we also saw uh, from verse 5, that we, we need to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in us. Now that we are seeking the things which are above, we need to put to death or to mortify what is earthly in us. And many, many examples are given there. What is earthly in us? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And when you look at also verse 8, but now you must put them all away. The, the additional things that we need to put to uh, death, again, we need to put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. My question to you, dear brethren, are we trust in God that we may mortify or put to death what is earth, these things which are earthly. Are we comfortable doing that? I think the true mark of a Christian is that we should not actually be comfortable 
we are not perfect. We still have the indwelling sin in us. But the mark of a Christian is if I fall, if I find myself in some of these things, then am I comfortable in them or I'm not comfortable in them? You know, I have a broken heart. I want the Lord to cleanse me once again. I want to be closer to the Lord again. I think that's a true mark of a Christian. And then, um, last week, I think that was the second sermon on this chapter 3, we looked at from verse 9 to verse 16. And verse 9 started with something. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. And someone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation, isn't it? So lying belongs to the old self. So we need to put also lying off. We need to kill it. It is earthly. And we need to put on the new self, which is being renewed in the, uh, in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And then we saw something that in verse 11, that here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Do you see that this community of believers that we belong in? We have, we have a community, the believers. I remember us um, giving an example with in our families where we are in. If they are not born again, imagine we don't have a common future. We don't have a common eternity. If they are not born again, if they have not known the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't have a common future. But these brothers that we, and sisters that we have here, we are a community of believers. And therefore, the Bible says, in this community of believers, there is no Greek, I mean Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, this community which we belong into transcends all boundaries. It transcends all boundaries this community of believers that we are in. There is no boundary of ethnicity. There is no boundary of social status, of age, boundaries of preferences, personal agenda, and career paths, no. If my brother there is born again, that's a true brotherhood that we have. No matter, it's, it's, it's not even uh, we, we should not be um, stratified even based on our political differences. That's the least thing that should come. You know, like now we are heading up to uh, the times of election, isn't it? I pray that these things will not be found with us. Praise the Lord. Yeah, because this community of believers. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no Scythian, there's no barbarian. Christ is all and in all. We belong to the family of believers. It's beautiful to know this. 
Uh, do you know there are things that you cannot actually share with the members of your family? But in uh, uh, in the community of believers, you have, you feel free to share, isn't it? Like if 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 I don't have money, and they are, they are brethren, I would feel very free to share with. Sometimes maybe my family members may not understand, isn't it? Because we belong to, we belong to a family of believers, and therefore we need to take care of one another. We need to take care of one another. Now, then we saw also last time about the well-dressed Christian. The well-dressed Christian. And that was from verse 12 to verse 16. And then we, uh, uh, we saw the resources that we need to, or the clothes that we need to put on. Can we be able to remember the resources or the clothes that we need to put on? What did we talk about? Yes, we need to put on love. And we saw that some of the traits which are given there, the kindness, some of the fruits which are given there are actually describing love. Putting on love. This we find in chapter 3 from verse 12 to verse 14. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. We, we looked at one, uh, these one by one. We looked at kindness, we looked at humility, we looked at meekness, long-suffering. We looked at forgiveness. There was a challenge. I asked, are there people that you don't talk to in our congregation here? Or even people uh, at our various churches? Or even family members? Are there people that you don't talk to? Are there people that you don't feel like talking to? Are there people that you still hold in your heart? People who hurt you? Have you forgiven them now that we learned about forgiveness? And uh, we also learned about putting on peace, which we find in verse 15. Putting on peace. We looked at the peace with Christ. The peace with God and also the peace of God. And then we also saw that we need to put on thanksgiving. And lastly, we need to put on the word of Christ. It was saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Yeah. So, did we create time to read the word of God? At our personal times? It's a challenge, a great challenge also to me. Finding time to read, to go through the word of God so that it can dwell richly in me. Social media. How many times do we just take scroll through FB in a day? Can you remember? Scrolling through FB, Twitter. Yeah. But uh, the time also that we take to read the word of God, is it five minutes at most? Ten minutes at most, but when you have our phone with us, keep on scrolling and scrolling. That dial that we have Wi-Fi, some of us have Wi-Fi in our homes. Videos are just popping there. <laughs> you watch videos, you can, they can really entertain you, isn't it? But do we allow the word of Christ 
to richly dwell in us. Now, today, we will still continue with the instructions that Paul gave this church at Colosse. And we are now moving to instructions in a family setup. So we look at four instructions of living out the gospel of Christ within family relationships. Four instructions of living out the gospel of Christ within family relationships. And um, maybe I'll not reach even four. Maybe I'll just look, the, look at the first two. Then we shall continue um, from there. Now, verse 17. So I want us to read verse 17 of chapter 3. Verse 17. It says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I was also looking at it in New Living Translation, which Dan likes a lot. Eh? <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I've really been finding, like, if I, I, I don't understand some part of the portion of the scripture, so if this, I'm able to at least get an idea. Now, uh, it says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And whatever you do or say, do it as a, as a representative, as a born-again Christian, as a believer. Of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, through Christ. Now I want us to look at this verse in context of what has been happening, in, especially Colossians, Colossians chapter Three, we are being told to set our things on the set our minds on the things which are above. Seek the things which are above. Put off or mortify what is earthly in us. And then we are being told again now to put on, to put on love, put on thanksgiving, put on the word of Christ, put on forgiveness. So this is a verse that is like crowning it all, what he has been talking about, what Paul has been talking about. He's saying, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. In whatever. You know, we cannot exhaust some of these clothes that we need to put on, by the way. We cannot exhaust but in whatever you do, or you say, know that you are a believer. A believer. You are a believer. And so, and, and some, some of the things that Paul is, would actually want to talk about is from verse 18. In whatever we do, in the relationship that we are in, in our job places, as employers, as employees. You see, he's touching on almost all the corners, isn't it? All the aspects of our lives, whatever we do or say, know that you are a believer. 
believer. Think that you're a believer and you're a new creature in Christ. So, um, just want us to look at some of these instructions that have been given to families. Instructions of living out the gospel in the family setup. Families are important, isn't it? <clears throat> Families are important. And actually we are now talking about you know, that physical families that we have. There are instructions that have been given to wives. There are instructions that have been given to husbands. There are instructions that have been given to children. There are instructions that have been given to fathers or parents. I know this is a very sensitive um, part. But our guide is scriptures, isn't it? It may not be very uh, tasty or what. It may not be very palatable, isn't it, for you. But remember, you are a born again Christian. And so that is um, the base where we are laying all this foundation. We are born again. And the scripture talks to us as believers. We are not talking about, Paul here was not talking about non-believers. He's, he's talking about a church at Colossae that had heard the gospel through our brother who? Epaphras, isn't it? Epaphras. They had heard the gospel. So, this is to a Christian household, people who have known the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to make that very clear even as we look at this. He is talking about Christians, born-again Christians, believers. Now, um, I, I acknowledge that some of us here may currently not be in some of these relationships. For example, some of you, not many of you are not married. How many of us are married here? Well, Patrick is the newest. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah. But don't you think um, this is the best time for you to hear about this, especially those who are aspiring mm -hmm. to get married, isn't it? And so, uh, actually, this is for all of us. It's for all of us. Um, and I'm also aware that there may be people who are hurting because of the past relationships that they have been, especially in a family setup. Mm -hmm. And maybe there are people who are struggling with this idea of parents because of what they did. Maybe they neglected you and all that. But it is my prayer that God will help you to heal and also to forgive, isn't it? I remember saying that forgiveness is, not, is one of the hardest clothes to put on as a Christian. Forgiveness. It's hardest. It's the hardest to put off. I mean to put on. Okay. But it's my prayer that this word, you know the word of God, is living and active, isn't it? Sharper more than a double-edged 
Lord, the word of God, this word is able to heal you. Um, now, let's, let's go to the first instruction that we find in verse 18. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Did you mark that? As is fitting in the Lord. This same call for wives appears so many times in the New Testament. Uh, uh, maybe I just want to look at a few. We'll not talk about those verses, but just um, we can read them. Can read them. So Ephesians five twenty two. Ephesians five twenty two. Ephesians five twenty two. I will read. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Titus chapter 2, verse 5. Titus chapter 2, verse 5. Maybe you can just record it down. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And then lastly, although it's not the last, um, or portion of the scripture that talks about this there are many many others but first peter 3 1 first peter 3 1 it says likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see their your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. Look at those words. They are so heavy, isn't it? Um, but maybe this that will be for another time. But I just wanted to show us how this submission is actually talked about in most of the parts in the New Testament. Most of the portions of the scripture in the New Testament. And just this first Peter, um, if, if the wives be subject to their own husbands. Then it's a gospel. Can you see that? 
It's a gospel. Uh, and if some do not obey the word, they may be won mm. without a word by the conduct of their wives. They, even without preaching to them, they just see how you conduct yourself as a woman in the house. And they, they will be won by that. So it's a gospel on its own. God can use this to bring to, to faith those that have not believed, the husbands that have not believed in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Now let's, let's just go back to our verse, verse 18. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I know this, uh, this verse has come under very sharp scrutiny and objection with the current society, which I think maybe it's wrongly, misunder wrongly understood or it's misunderstood. And uh, today we have the feminists, you know, uh, the women who actually demand their rights. I'm not saying that is bad, but in light with the gospel, the word of God, the fact that some of them object what the Bible says, then it becomes wrong, isn't it? Because they view this verse as... Um, and I, uh, a verse that is trying to belittle women. That's how they view it. They try to belittle women in the society. And so they are saying uh, the Bible is actually, it was written in the ancient times. And so it's not, it's not up to date, something of that sort. But is that what the scripture is saying? Does it belittle women? The scripture discriminate women? My answer is no, again, from the scripture. I, I, I first started by saying that we are, the Bible is, or Paul is actually talking to a group of belie believers. He's talking to a group of believers. Uh, and um, let's, let's move on and see. What is this submission exactly? As the Bible uh, puts it. And uh, I want to answer that question with what is in the scriptures. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. Jesus Christ is our great example, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know if someone can read it for us, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. says, in relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus 
who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every name. Yes. So have this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he was God, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Our Christ, our Lord and Savior, he is God. But what did Jesus not do? He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I tend to believe that it's not about belittling the women in the society. It's our role, it's the role of women to please their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Women, when you submit, you're not doing this to your husbands. To all, I mean to please your husbands. If you're doing it because your husband then must be very perfect by the way. But you're doing it in honor of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is our great example. That's a role that you have been given in as a, as a as a born again Christian woman it's a role that you have been given and it's not something that we as men we will keep on telling her hey you need to submit <laughs> <laughs> you need to submit it's not something that we demand isn't it by the way our role as men is I think to me it's harder big it's bigger our role as men bigger because we are told to love as who loved and yes ladies down his life for the church please husbands don't husbands to be don't change your minds <laughs> but know that you have a, a bigger or a harder task so Women are told to submit. To me, submission is a trust that you give freely to your husband when it comes to deciding the overall direction of the family, the spirituality of the family, which also affects the family, the direction that the family takes. It's a trust that you need to give freely to your husband when it comes to deciding the overall direction of the family. You are in this together. You should talk about it together. You even disagree, by the way, for a decision to be made in the family. Well, my brother there will bear me witness. <laughs> <laughs> you will disagree about 
an issue, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. But in the end, you choose to give your husband the reins to make the best and most informed decision concerning the family. Now, I want us to look at an example here. So we have a husband and we have a wife in the house. So they are both praying together about something or a decision that they need to go, need to make, probably go somewhere or go to a city somewhere. And after praying together, the husband feels, yes, he feels that they need to go there. But the wife says no. Now they have to both make a decision. And not to make the decision actually means making a day. decision. A decision. Mm -hmm. If you decide not to make a decision, that's also a decision. Okay? And uh, so um, the husband then says, okay, if you don't want to go, we will not go. But then the wife says, no, you are letting me make the decision. You have to make that decision. So submission means that man has to make the decision in the best interest of the family. Yani siongelei mwanaume nyatakuwa kama simba. Chenyamesema mesema. No. There are decisions that will you need to make together. But the final decision for the direction of the family, it's a role given to who? To the husbands. And But if you're a Christian and you're willing to please your Lord, isn't it? Then we have to do it. It is a role that we have been given as a Christian woman. And it's not a role to belittle them. No. So Christ is our example. He was God, but he did not consider that something to be grasped. But he, he emptied himself. He submitted to the Father. He submitted to the Father. And it's a decision that a wife makes voluntarily. It's, we are not, they are not supposed to be forced to make it. But it's because they want to please who? Christ. But my question is, are we to agree to everything that the husbands are saying? Everything is yes, yes, yes. I think that is not what this scripture is saying. This is not what the scripture is saying. The Bible is saying that to submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Fitting in the Lord. Does it glorify the name of the Lord? Otherwise, we will have wives, Ukiwambiwa, we want to go rob that shop. Isn't it? We want to go uh, do something bad. Ata urogi kuenda kukimbia usiku. 
Amanda. No. As it is fitting in the Lord. So sometimes we as bands, by the way, the decisions that sometimes make are not actually the sometimes they're not the best. We really need to involve our wives. They are very brilliant. Oh, now Patrick directly to you. <laughs> <laughs> they are very brilliant. Sometimes what do they see? Mimi nakuja tu baadaye na gundo. Kumbe hiyo ilikuwa sawa kabisa. Let's involve in decision making. But that decision that we make should be, or that submission should be, as it is fitting in the Lord. So the Lord Jesus Christ is our standard. The family. The Lord Jesus Christ is our standard. Yeah. So um, time will fail me to talk um, maybe more about that. But I want to go to the last role. Maybe we're just going to do two today. And that we find in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. The role given to the man. It says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do not be harsh with them. Maybe I'll also read also Ephesians 5, maybe from 25 to 31. I'll just go through this quickly. It has also, it elaborates more about this. Ephesians 5, verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of this body, of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So, Husbands, here is our role. We need to love our wives. What is the standard given? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now that is hard. It's hard. This love, I think, that is being talked about, we all know the types of love that is there. Which type of love is being talked about? This is agape love. Agape. I I don't think it's the is it eros or what? The, eros. Yeah, I don't think it's eros. 
hii mambo ya mapenzi um, it's not uh, just saying i love you although sometimes women need to hear this but by they are small for the things yeah yeah but i don't think it's just a word of mouth it entails so many things just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. there are so many things listed there having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word it means that love, that love also entails the well being spiritually the spiritual well being of the wife am i concerned about the spirituality of my wife or later when those people who get into who will get into marriage their husbands to be you really need to be concerned about the spirituality and not something here that we, this is talking about christian household but you can just imagine if a believer now marries a man believer you know verse 8 and verse 19 verse 19 they go together wives are supposed to submit but what about the husbands they are supposed to love as fitting in the lord so christ is our example but what about if you get married to someone who doesn't know that lord it's going to be difficult isn't it yeah it's going to be difficult if you get someone who is not born again so one i've already said it entails the spiritual well-being of the wife as christ loved the church and even gave himself for the church now what other thing did christ do for the church christ served the church let's look at john chapter 13 from verse 1 to 17 What did Jesus Christ do to the disciples? John chapter 13 from verses 1 to 17. We we will not read it because it's a long verse. It's a long there are, there are many verses, isn't it? But in paraphrasing, what does it talk about? Yes, sir. Are you there? Did the washing of the feet? Yes. The washing of the feet. Was it easy? Washing the disciples feet. Our jamaa walikuwa natembea for long. Some feet are not very good to wash. But this our Lord and Savior He humbled himself. He washed the disciples' feet. As a husband, do I offer service to my family or to my wife? Yeah. I think everything is in the scripture, isn't it? Everything is in the scripture. If some women would actually want husbands who are with them in the kitchen, or also washing clothes with them, washing the utensils with them, we need to offer the best example in 
service, sure. service, cooking for the family. The husbands will never step into the kitchen. <laughs> well, you know, it depends on the wife, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but service. We have to be exemplary in our service to our wives. And so, the leadership of a husband should be characterized by the love of a husband to his wife. These ones should never be separated, submission and love. So we get it here, especially from the chapter that we have, uh, we have talked about, 13, 1 to 17, service is there. And many, many other things that the husbands need to do. So if the husband is the king in the family, but this kingship is very different, us being kings. You know, Sarah used to call um, Abraham, oh, our Lord, our Lord. Now, this lordship is very different for us as bats. Yes, we may have that crown as kings in the family, but we are kings who should be best in the service. So, um, so this is Christ. He got them together and took off his outer garment and he washed the disciples' feet. But what you have to see is that this wasn't just some random act of kindness. This was bigger than that. In that moment, Jesus was showing them what was about to happen. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one whom by him, for him, and through him, all things were created, assumed the role of a, a servant. He removed his garments, laying aside his power and his majesty to clean their feet. And so we need to be emulate the example of Christ. Um, this uh, C.S. Uh, Lewis just did a quote here. God gives a man a crown to wear in marriage, but it is primarily made of paper, just a roll, and a crown of thorns. And that is the call to sacrifice. And so we as husbands, we need to sacrifice for our family members, especially our wives. A lot of things here for us. It's our role that Christ has given unto us to lead the family. Starting with the wife. Loving her. It's difficult, but we pray that God will help us. Um, I would have wished to continue, but I will stop at that. Um, so that we continue with the other roles. There is the one for children, there is the one also now for parents now, there is the one for born servants and many, many others. Otherwise, may, may God bless us. Thank you. Thank you.
God for God for what? And I pray that uh, you're going to 